Welcome to the Asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. Welcome to the Asylum. I'm just kind of chuckling here. Uh, my new, my fresh new dance moves. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, we have to go video. There's no question about that. But welcome into the Asylum. This is the Asylum Sports Show here on the Arena Sportsnet. Uh, arenasportsnet.com and uh, you can hear us five nights a week on the Arena Sports Network at 8 o'clock and I have no idea what our guest really is doing but Bob tell you what he sounds like he's kicking the door into the studio and uh, let him in Rick let him in <laughs> we'll, we'll let him in we got the uh, old friend of the asylums uh NFL agent Rilio Master Antonio and and while you're kicking the door in really I'll open it for you come on in Thank you. Thank you. You know, I'm always on the road, so just shutting that door. That's what I was doing. Well, we certainly appreciate you taking the time in uh, what has to be, well, probably not the busiest part part of the year for you now that draft's over, but still a pretty hectic time for you. You know, honestly, uh, contrary to belief, this is kind of the real only solace we get is probably July because uh, all the players are you know, through their OTAs and their uh, mandatory mini camps, and now they get about 41 days off. I should say off. They get 41 days to hone their skills, work out, and then uh, before camp. So, right. so this is a little quiet period. This is when we get a, a little bit of a respite. But oh, that's um, good for, for any yeah. any first time listeners. Uh, Rilio is uh, NFL agent with Capital Sports Advisors who have. Uh, you know, some notable players. Jared Cook, for one, just signed a big deal. Gary Barnage, uh, you know, there's quite a few other ones that's that's in you guys' camp, and, uh, you know, it's really neat to see. Yeah, we've come a long way since the beginning of the first appearance on the show when we were uh, scraping uh, a little bit, and now we've grown a lot. And me personally as an agent, I've added some definite talent, and, uh, you know, I'll have uh, probably about nine in camp coming up here uh in, in July, so. So you're going to uh, pile up those frequent flyer miles real soon. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so the first question we have to ask, we are a fantasy show first and foremost. Really, oh, how's Cameron Meredith's thumb? That, I need to know that. That's very important. Progressing very well. He uh, all, all indications uh, are that he'll be ready for, fit and ready for camp. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's where we're crossing our fingers and, so far, we're proceeding on that road, but with health, health issues, you never know. But uh, we're optimistic that he will be uh, ready for camp and as good as new. All right, so my first uh, MFL 10 of the year, Rick and Rilio, I took Cameron actually ended up being my number two wide receiver as I went running back heavy. So he ended up my number two. So you got to let him know, Rilio, this is very important that, that he gets back, he gets healthy, and he builds on that great 2016 he had. I will stress that to him, and you know it's uh, it's going to be surreal in my own leagues. Um, you know, do I do I take the plunge or do I let someone else in the league have him and lament? And you know, I, if if I lose him in the draft, I hope I get buried by him every week. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah, and that's the thing about him. You know, everybody to a man is excited about this kid. It's just nobody's real excited about the Bears yet. You know what I mean? And they they've got to get this quarterback situation cleared up well in that situation you know trubisky is is i think he's a talent i like him but you know you it's a, it's a money-driven business and they're 
paying Glennon a lot of money. So he's going to get first bite at the apple, I, personally, I believe, unless Trubinsky comes in and outplays him, in which case then he deserves the job. But all indications of past NFL experiences that if you're paying somebody that kind of money, you're going to give them the first shot. And, and, uh, and, and I've heard great things about Glennon. I've heard he's a great leader. He throws a good ball and, uh, you know, from the horse's mouth. And, uh, you know, I think, I think the Bears are, I think they're in great shape, personally. I mean, we have not had a situation where, right or wrong, they've gone out and got a quarterback in Chicago and, and, and stuck, you know, took, stuck their neck out, neck out and got a quarterback. What do you make of, sort of a draft question here, X's and O's, I'm wondering, we are seeing more and more, this is really on top of mind for me watching the NBA draft where so many freshmen were taken, it broke a record with that, and we're starting to see it a bit in the NFL, especially and specifically at the quarterback position, where guys like Trubisky with the, with the measurables, not necessarily the resume, I, it's clearly he's talented, but he doesn't have the, the resume, didn't play a ton in college, but just looks like a pro quarterback. Is that something do we see extending out into other positions, becoming more and more viable going forward? It se- almost seems like now in the NFL, these guys, especially at the quarterback position, with four years of tape, similar to the guys in the NBA with three or four years of tape, are actually slipping down the draft board a little bit. You know, this is an interesting, and and having, you know, seven years now as an agent, uh, having watched this process, it's fascinating to me because what, what what, what players, what coaches look for and what players try to be is the players want, they want athletes. The coaches want the 230-pound 4-4 linebacker that's going to go out and, you know, crush people and it's fast if you've had a lot of experience great if you didn't you still got a shot at going on on one of the 255 or 256 people because you can't you can't get those measurables anywhere else like we have a player for example from northwestern joseph jones Uh, he's 231 pounds linebacker he didn't start until his senior year in college and he ran a four four seven on pro day. And that's pretty good. Just relative to a big guy. Right. And he uh, you know, is in Dallas camp right now. So I believe athleticism sometimes trumps experience. And uh I could say Trump, right? And sometimes <laughs> trumps experience. And uh I, I think you're seeing more of a trend of that of taking that raw talent and trying to mold it into a football player as opposed to someone who's maybe a little more experienced but not as gifted. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the athleticism, you know, the experience part, I mean, there's only so many Peyton Mannings out there, you know, that are like a, a doctor of the game. And when it really comes right down to it, the athleticism, you can, you can coach the athlete. Um, it's, it's kind of hard to take, I mean, there's probably, and, and you're probably have seen this a bunch of times, especially from like, say the quarterback position. So there's a lot of smart backups out there that know the game probably better than many starters. And, um, but they just don't have the athleticism really to get them over to the top to get that starting gig. No question. Uh, you know, the athleticism you know, for example, another 
I've just did a quick calculation in my head while you were talking. Not that I wasn't listening to you because I'm riveted every time you guys talk. So don't let let's not get that mixed up. <laughs> but um, the the uh, of, of uh, I think of he's my a, five skill position players. A comedian. <laughs> <laughs> of my Go five ahead. skill positions in the league, all of them ran under a four four five. Meredith ran a four four four. Joseph Jones ran a four 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 on one clock, but was a f- officially a four four seven. Uh, Aaron Bailey from he ran a four 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 flat at two hundred thirty two pounds. So you know speed kills, and that is the number one indicator, and that's what's going to carry you if you're fast and have somewhat ability. You're at least going to get a look from the NFL. It's not going to get you in camp for sure it's not gonna get you on a roster but you're gonna get a serious look from somebody yeah i mean mac and ran a 438 oh, as man. a cornerback so I, I just wonder though at some point where, where this is curious to me in the nfl it, it makes complete sense to me in basketball and obviously it's a six to ten year process in, in major league baseball so that that's really not part of the conversation these guys in the NFL don't seem to get that long of a look. You don't have long to prove yourself. I wonder, is that are we going to see a shift with that as we go more towards athletes than football players, to your point? And, and if it does, it makes sense to do it, I guess, give these coaches time to mold it and build it. But, you know, as Bill Parcells told us, the NFL stands for not for long. You don't have time to prove yourself coming from college into this league with these men where you have to be an athlete and a football player. You just I wonder what the balance there is, and that's why it, it just always really strikes me when a guy like Trubisky goes as high as he ends up going. Yeah, you know, the, the not for long league, it, I'd say there's more players that end up getting knocked out of the league. I could be wrong on this, but my, my perception is there's more players that get knocked out of the league due to injury than there is just lack of talent. Because some players, you know, you're going to have your turnover every year, obviously. You know, guys get older, they get slower, they get uh, more money. You know, you could have a, a, a person, an eight-year veteran that you have to pay a million bucks to, and you can bring in a, a new player that makes 465000 who can do... 80% of the job, that's a, that's a consideration. So, you know, I think you see more of the attrition and the injury kind of supplanting players than actually, you know, the athlete versus the guy who knows how to play football. I think everybody that gets on a 53 for sure has a minimum level of talent, and I don't think that, you know, then when you get down to the 50 through 53 on the roster, you're splitting hairs. I mean, there you know, you, you could plug in six other guys in, on practice squad into those last three spots. Right. There's some intangible that's keeping them on that 53-man roster. Right. And you, had, you had a pretty good segue there as far as, like, age and, and the money and so forth. And, and I bring this guy up because he's in your uh, outfits camp. There's Gary Barnage. And uh, here, here's a guy that's actually no one really heard of the first few years of his career. Now he's – 31 the last couple of years last year wasn't nearly as good but still fairly productive but you know he's out there nobody's paying any attention to him is this kind of like a wait and see game that some teams are playing with till they get through camp and so forth see what sort of uh cuts or injuries that they have or you know what's going on with him that you're allowed to actually say uh yeah you know 
I can't. He's not. He's not my player. He's our firm's player. He's not my player directly. Uh, um, you know, he's, he's he has another agent who's very good, thirty year experience agent. Um, so I can't say too much. But the fact is, yes. Uh, you know, Gary's in a good position. He's a veteran. He has some options, and he's just it, it's a mutual two way street. You know, he wants to see what other options are available, and he wants teams to to value his skill. And sometimes at this time of the year. They don't really value his skill. But two weeks into camp, three weeks into camp, when guys start going down and another team makes offer, then another team makes an offer. So there's a chance you can get bid up a little bit. You know, and I'm not talking out of school there. That's pretty basic economics. But, but he's, he's a veteran, and he's, 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 he's kind of just surveying what his options are. And uh, I have no doubt in my mind he'll be playing football in the fall come kickoff day it's just going to be a matter of who and where uh and he's a great story because you know what quarterback you have and who throws to you is a tremendous asset i mean he had mccown and he made him you know he threw him the ball all the time uh cameron meredith you know had um um i'm gonna draw a blank on this now the backup quarterback for the bears uh it's embarrassing um a longtime veteran who went, uh, he just left the Bears last year. Uh, but anyway, he, he threw down. the ball to Cameron a lot. I mean, you saw it when Jay Cutler was there. He, he, he threw it predominantly to Brandon Marshall and kind of froze out Alshon Jeffrey for a while. And then all of a sudden when Brandon Marshall got hurt, everything went to Jeffrey. So, you know, it, it, it's who the quarterback trusts and who they throw to is a tremendous uh, right. Could push you in a trans direction as a receiver or a tight end. Yeah, I, and that's something people overlook. You know, now the good quarterbacks, the great quarterbacks, in my estimation, like a Brady, a Manning, they throw it to everybody. They throw it to whoever's open. They trust that they're going to catch the ball, and that's why they're Manning and Brady. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no doubt about and, that. I, I apologize. I was actually pulling some. Uh, Stats up there, and wasn't it Cade McNown that took over for? Uh... No, it was. Um, I can't believe I can't, he broke his he broke his arm in midseason last year, and I apologize for not oh, knowing Brian his Hoyer. name. It was oh, um, Hoyer. Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Hoyer, Hoyer, just you know, he trusted Cameron and threw him the ball a ton, and that helps a lot because. But I'm telling you, that there's a difference between confidence and you know, staring a guy down. Right. Right. You know, um, you know, Jay Cutler was a very talented quarterback. Um, I just, some of the, some of the, you know, I, this is not me speaking. This is the media for what I've read and gleaned and watched him. You know, he got kind of myopic every now and then he would throw to Brandon Marshall and Jeffrey, whether they were open or not. Right. You know, and, and successful quarterbacks don't do that. The really great ones of all time, Look who's open, throw a guy open if he's not open, and just try to try to spread the ball around. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. So hopefully you have some. One more sort of nuts and bolts question, really, and then sure. I want to give you a chance to talk about some of the players you have before we get you out of here. But I'm curious, we're getting to that time of year. We actually just wrapped it up where some more high-profile superstars, you know, here locally we're thinking about Le'Veon Bell, haven't mm-hmm. signed the franchise tender quite yet, have not – 
not showing up to OTAs. I'm curious from your perspective as the as the players' representative, what are the risks, rewards of sitting out OTAs? Is it based on experience, based on who you are? Are you involved in the discussions and these decisions, and how are these decisions made? And mo- most curiously, how does that affect your negotiations going forward? That is a great question. Uh, yes, you're def- you. You, you are definitely involved as the agent. No question. I mean, you're, you're a partnership with your player, and your objective is to maximize their earnings as much as humanly possible, uh, you know, and and not try to be so forceful that you damage their career is what you're kind of driving at. You know, what's the happy medium of of really sitting a guy out to prove a point and then end, of it, end up hurting them? Now, in Le'Veon Bell's case, you know, he's a special talent, and, you know, him missing OTAs is not going to uh, affect him too much. You know, now if he sits out, you know, three quarters of camp or something, that's a whole different animal. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's a definite strategic move. Uh, you know, it saves a little bit of wear and tear, even though they're not in, in pads. It saves a little bit of wear and tear. And it sent, kind of sends a message to the club that, you know, we, we want to deal. And, uh, you know, the club's either going to relent and sit down with you or they're just going to say, hey, you know, this is what we're this is what we're doing. And you get on you get on board, you get on board or you don't. And we're going to move on without you. So uh, but as far as just the physical act of sitting out OTAs and minicamp at the end of the day, Le'Veon and, and his type players like him, you know, I'm not his agent, so I can't speak for him, but they're very talented and and. And they're going to be ready come kickoff. I want to get to well, a, just with camp, right? I want to get to a little uh, fantasy questions uh, yeah. to you because I know you're into that. How oh. much value did you put? Because I tell you what, I like this move myself. Rick and I discussed it a few weeks ago. Uh, the Brandon Marshall move to the Giants. Uh, how much to you does it raise Eli's stock? But more important. To me, I think that really makes Odell Beckham's job so much easier. There's somebody over there now that if you know if you're not if you're not paying attention to him as well as Odell Beckham, he'll kill you. And they they haven't had that you know to help him out. Kind of like the old Calvin Johnson scenario in Detroit for years. There was never that other guy that really you know would take the pressure off. And um, I just think Brandon Marshall and Odell Beckham are in for pretty good years. Oh, they're, they're, now this is this is the fantasy analysis I have for that. Okay, this is going to be one of those situations where you know I try not to get myself in trouble on these calls because I'm an agent. This is one of those situations where this is either going to be uh, the greatest combination ever, or it could end up being just a nightmare because there's only so many footballs on the field. So, you know, you got, you got only, Brandon, there's only great so guy. Many, yeah, there's only so many footballs, and, and I think that was a lot of the, the knock when Marshall went to the Jets, it seemed like, you know. But, you know, if Fitzpatrick can wing it around, I think Eli can handle it. Well, it's not even that. It's just the number of targets. I mean, you, you have now Marshall's going to be demanding – Beckham's going to be demanding. They have, what, uh, St- uh, Sharp? Uh, who's the other third receivers? Uh, yeah, Sharp. Uh, the young guy. Sharp. 
yeah uh so you got a lot of mouths to feed in 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 new york and so from that angle i'm a little just worried about whether whether Brandon marshall can be satisfied with the amount of throws he's going to get and and be and become that that locker room asset and not a not a negative okay now that's the bad part of it the good part is that's it they're covering that team with a good tight end is going to be a logistic nightmare for a for a secondary i mean you can't who do you double exactly who do you double you double marshall odell's gonna beat you he's gonna eat you alive you double odell marshall's gonna eat you alive and then you got a couple other good receivers to mix in there and a tight end. It's it's kind of a coverage nightmare for. But can the club function and keep it together? So if you're if you're a gambling person, you know you go you can go all in on Marshall and hope that he holds it together from a psyche standpoint because he's certainly gifted, he's certainly talented. Is he going to get enough throws to not? You know, become think, a, a problem. Right. I, I don't think uh, – I think he's beyond the uh, the pouting stage. He certainly hasn't seemed to, you know, ever since he's basically received help for whatever problem it was. I don't know, bipolar or whatever. I remember it was revealed a few years ago. He seems to be a much more mature player and actually a, a team leader. I, I think – he may be a real stabilizing factor in some of Beckham's antics, quite frankly. I hope so, and I, I'm rooting for him because he's, you know, he did well with the Bears, and and uh, you know, he's a, he's a very great talent, and I just hope he can bring himself mentally to match that and be a leader. Because, like I said, from a fantasy standpoint, man, yeah, I, Eli should should clean up on that on that situation because. You're going to have a lot of single coverage and a lot of over the top because you can't you can't cover everybody. I agree, and I tell you, you're mastering the segues here right now because the next question I got for you kind of goes right into what you were talking about with a Brandon Marshall. A lot of people are really excited about Deshaun Jackson heading to Tampa Bay. That guy, to me, can be a locker room killer. You know, yeah, I, I, once again, I, I, I don't know the ins and outs. And, and, and sometimes the situation dictates, I mean, you know, it's really going to, Mike Evans is going to, you know, be the big benefactor of that situation. Because now, once again, you know, it creates the, the matchup nightmare. I mean, you know, do you think, you know, Brandon Marshall, when he was back, go back in for a second, when he was back in Chicago with Alshon Jeffrey, that was a lethal duo. I mean, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't cover them both. So I think the addition of... Deshaun Jackson to Tampa is going to be very good for that club, and I think Winston's really going to. I mean, Winston to me, with that addition, he moves up the board. I think at least five spots. Oh, I think this year the it, this is the year Tampa wins the South, isn't it, Rick? Well, they're probably due. Although yeah. they didn't finish last last season, that was Carolina. <laughs> yeah, but they're probably about there. All right, really. Well, we're taking up a lot of your time. Real quick, before we get out of here, how about uh, some of you the players in your stable? We need to be watching out for you. Gave, you gave us Cameron Meredith last year. I stashed right. him away plenty, much to much <laughs> happiness for me. It came came to fruition later on in the year. Who, who do you got out there this year? We should be watching out for on the skill side. Uh, keep an eye out for James O'Shaughnessy from the. He was with the Chiefs, and on draft day they traded him to the Patriots. Uh, for they moved up a pick and they traded him to the Patriots. The Chiefs did, and uh, he is going to be right behind, uh, hopefully behind Gronk 
and uh, Dwayne Allen. And uh, he is that, uh, dare I evoke the name, you know, Aaron Hernandez type build. He's 6'4", 240 pounds with some speed. So, you know, he they're using him all over now in the slot. They're using him. So there's a name for you. A late round, you know, 18th round flyer. See how it goes in preseason. But that's one that, you know, if Brady hones in on him and they're dub- and they're all over Gronk and Allen, he could be one of those guys that sits that talk about a coverage nightmare on that team. I mean, if if, if James gets going and you have Gronk and you have Edelman, it, it, it could be it could be a freak show there as far as uh, yards. So so Shaughnessy's one to watch out for. And then, uh, you know, the rest The rest are we got some good players. We have a player on Baltimore, but they're not really the skilled starting position. So the other one I would give you is James O'Shaughnessy. Keep an eye out. Watch how he does in camp. And you may be able to steal him in the late rounds and get some production out of him, especially if, you know, Gronk and Dwayne Allen repeat their history with injury. I'm not hoping that happens, of course. Uh, but just looking at the history, um, you know, who knows who plays a whole season. Yeah, no question. So. No question about it. All right, really, we certainly appreciate your time. Why don't you take a second and tell everyone where they can find you. We'll steer some more talent your direction. Well, thank you. Uh, Capital Sports Advisors, www.capital, C-A-P-A-T-A-L, Sports Advisors with an O. And, uh, you know, thank you, gentlemen. I really appreciate the time. And uh, goodbye, guys, and goodbye, yeah, everybody. I, Good I luck. i tell you what, we are certainly glad you take some time to be with us and, uh, you know, we hope you'll have time later on as the season progresses because we always enjoy talking with you and enjoy your insight. Anytime, gentlemen, anytime. All right, thank you very much, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right, there he goes. Really, I'm fascinated by that whole process. I wish I was smart enough to be an agent. Yeah, or a bagger you know. at the grocery store, to be honest, but I'd really like to do that. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, you can't handle the, the, the plastic bags. They're just too complicated for you anymore. <laughs> well, they get stuck together. You can't open them. It's, it, it's a whole thing, but... It really is a fascinating study what that whole process is like and what those guys have to go through. I'm uh, I'm mesmerized by it all the time. Rick, but we are running out of time for this show. It's game show week here on the Asylum on the right. Sports Network. So I want to hop right into here to wrap up what's already been a fat, fantastic show with, you guessed it. Oh, it is back. Indeed, Rick. Fact or fiction here. Rest of the show, we've got a pile of them. Vanna's over in the corner getting them ready. It's it's amazing, Rick. You you stunned me with fact or fiction, but I just happen to have some questions here for you. Oh, really? Yeah. So you did show prep? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's amazing. (laughs) Alert the media. Yeah. And the fans. You think Rilio does uh, radio radio talent type of uh, representation? I think we need an agent. Well, I think and nobody else is going to have us. So yeah, we have a relationship with him. Maybe we could we could trick him into making a call or two for yeah, us. Yeah, we've known Rilio for what about five or six years now, and he still hasn't dumped us. So. I don't know if that said, reflects something on him. or yeah, it, it reflects poorly upon someone. I just <laughs> yeah. don't know who it is. Exactly. But hey, yeah. Uh, so really, when you listen back to this, if you got any ins, it's serious. Or I'll move to Poughkeepsie and work at an AM station. I'm not proud. Well, I don't got bet. a lot. I don't got a lot going on. No, exactly. I wouldn't be walking away from much. I'll tell you that. There you go. 
All right. I'll tell you, let's do a little fact or fiction, and, uh, you know, maybe our producer can uh, let the new fans know. Oh, we don't know have what... a producer. You ran him off. Well, he's in competitive interpretive dance. Yeah, interpretive with the, dance. And the ball and the. Yeah. But, uh, you know, for our first time listeners, Rick, if you will do the honors, this is obviously doesn't work. <laughs> so, you know, it, and, and back to our um, our next. It still doesn't work. Oh, no wonder. There it is. That is fact. And that is fiction. Boy, they'd have been a, they'd have had a hard time deciphering that one, Rick. So I'm glad you glad you helped everybody out with it. Well, I just want people to know. <laughs> I mean, you know, our old boy Scott Fish always liked that those sounds. So, uh, you know, that was just something that I wanted to Make sure everybody knows what's fact or fiction. How about Scott making it to the big time, huh? You think he's still going to talk to us? Well, you know, I hope so. You know, maybe we can ride his coattails. Well, that's what I'm thinking. You I'm know, willing we, to hop on. You drag us sure. along with you, Scott. Yeah, we'll you be a, you know, <laughs> yeah. shovel guy like in the circus behind the elephant, yeah. right? I mean, we don't have a lot of pride. So, no. But congratulations in all seriousness. Yeah. Awesome to be able to do that full time. Awesome. No and for it to be it. somebody... The proliferation of all the ESPNs and CBSs and everybody taking over the fantasy world to see somebody who did it from the ground floor and did it without stepping on everybody's neck that he made in between exactly. speaks volumes about Scott. So, so Scott, if you're listening, congratulations and good for you. Check him out. At, what is it? At ScottFish24. Yeah. And the SFB's coming up what, next week, week after we yeah, start drafting. I, you're gonna have to help me log on somehow. Still I, I can't get logged on. I, you know, I had this problem last year. Yeah, Scott had to do it again. I, I hate to bug him because he's got so much going on. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not going down that road. Factor fix. Well, right? you run out off the producer. He to help me. <laughs> okay. Um, factor fiction. Here's just a, an easy one. All right. Keenan Allen plays more than six games in 2017. Ooh, I'm confident in him. He seems to do this, right? He'd take a year off. He, he likes a sabbatical now and again. I think he'll be back, and I think he'll be – I don't know if it's this one or the or the game we're going to play later on here in the second episode of the week in uh, Pick Your Poison that we're going to play. There's some Keenan Allen discussion, but I, I think he's in for a big year this year. When healthy and on the field, he's productive. And, you know, you want to talk to me about Inman and all the other guys named Will they have – at the wide receiver position, that's the big question. Can you keep him on the field? If he's on the field, well, he's a lockdown number one wide receiver. Well, that was the question, and and that's what's really scary. I mean, his, his first year, 2013, he played 15 games. He played 14 games in 2014. He played eight in 2015. He played one last year. And I mean, it's it just seems like this poor kid's breaking down. He's rested year after that's year. That's the way I choose to look at it. That he's rested. Okay. Uh, am I confident he's going to play six games, four games, two games? No. I mean, he, he might get hurt getting off the bus for the first preseason game. I can't predict that. <laughs> what I do know is that oh, he's slipping yeah. down draft boards. He's a forgotten name because of missing, what, what's that, 23 games in the last two seasons? Folks in your redraft leagues, in your in your home leagues with the dummies, they've forgotten all about him. And this is a guy who can be had at a really, really cheap price who you can get way down on your draft board. So the, 
who's going to perform as a number one if he can stay on the field. Let, let's hope he can. Yeah. I'm choosing to be. Uh, I am optimistic, Rick. Today, that's what I'm going to be, Rick. And you're going to see. The, you're going to see that theme throughout Factor Fiction here. All right, Rick. I got one for you. Marcus Mariota is a top ten fantasy quarterback in 2017. Mm. I'm just not quite sure that team's there yet for him, to, for them to stay that consistent where he's going to be a top 10 quarterback. Well, would I draft him? Certainly. I mean, it, I, I think he's, he's a talent. Tennessee, I tell you what, they're almost there. I mean, he, if he is, would I be shocked? No. I just don't think he's he's going to be a top 10. And I'm talking fantasy-wise, obviously. Right. You know, fantasy points. I, I don't think he's going to be a top 10 this year. I think he's easily a top 10, maybe a top 5. You bring Eric Decker in. If Eric Decker's healthy, that's a game-changer right there. Yeah, they, they lose right. You trade right for... For Decker, that's big news. Now, here is, and I wish I jotted it down, and I didn't jot down who did it. I didn't research this. And this may go into the category of you can make stats say whatever you want them to do. But between weeks 5 and 12 last season, for what that's worth, that's a big stretch of the season. So for half the season, he was the number one fantasy quarterback in the NFL. This guy doesn't throw interceptions. He's never thrown a red zone interception. This guy's efficient. He's got some weapons around him. You've got the running game with DeMarco Murray with a guy like Derrick Henry backing him up. You say the Titans are almost there. I don't know a lot about the Titans' defense. I'm sort of focused on the offenses right now. But offensively, Tennessee is there, Rick. They are there right now, and they're ready to go. And Marcus Mariota, he's efficient. He can run when he has to. He's got all the makings of a guy who you could look up at the end of the year and almost quietly – he might be the number two, number three, number four quarterback. That's I'm getting I'm getting a little yeah. crazy. It's a little hyperbole to try to prove my point. I have no doubt. I have no question. He's going to be a top ten quarterback. And I don't know where his ADP's falling amongst quarterbacks. I'd like to. Get, I'll get that pulled up here shortly. But I'm telling you, Rick, this guy's ready to make the move. He showed real, real signs of it last oh. year. And I put that much weight on the Decker signing. I, I really do. I have do. no doubt about his talent and everything you said. You know, it's just for me. It's just hard to throw him ahead of you know, and I'll just run down. Well, let's play the game. Yeah. Throw him out. Aaron Rodgers. All right. Matt well, Ryan. Drew Brees. Andrew Luck. Kirk Cousins. Right. Der- Derek Carr. Tom Brady. Matt Stafford. Phil Rivers. Uh, over Stafford. You know. Over Rivers. Who are those <sighs> other? Matt Ryan's a guy I consider. I think that's the line right there. There's a lot of those guys you listed. I'd, I'd take Mariota over. I, I honestly, honestly would. Okay. I mean, that's, I'm just not quite as convinced as you are yet. But uh, you know, I, you're not as smart as I am, so that it makes sense. Is that a fact? I see. They can't see your head shaking, <laughs> Mr. Brilliance. <laughs> it's an audio medium. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I guess it's my turn here, Rick. Fact or fiction? This is going to be kind of a uh, another one of those type of questions. But uh, Melvin Gordon, real quick, Marcus Mariota going as the thirteenth quarterback overall. Okay, you can have him in. uh, Looks like round. What's the average round here? I'm having a hard time. 
This is some real nerdy stuff here, standard deviation. Anyhow, 13th overall and proving my point that he, he'd be a value. So here's the guys ahead of him. Dak Prescott, I'd take Mariota over Prescott. Winston, Winston's intriguing to me, but I feel more comfortable with Mariota. Boy, aren't, the, aren't those two so similar? Right. I, I mean, teams are both building. They're Going adding, the right direction. They're adding weapons. They had Decker on one side. Uh, D. Jacks on the other mm-hmm. side. Uh, the run games are there when healthy. I right. tell you what, they are so similar. Kirk Cousins at, at 10, I would take over Mariota. Roethlisberger at 9, I would not take over Mariota. We talked a lot about Roethlisberger. Yeah, I would not either. You're Russell right. Wilson. I'll tell you, I don't trust Russell Wilson. He He's all or nothing boom or bust. I might take Mariota there. Cam Newton probably should go ahead of Mariota based on what we know he can do, but I don't think I'd do it. You're not going to see me own Cam Newton. We'll then you get into your guys someday. Yeah. Then you soon. get into your car, your Ryan, your Breeze. Your, those guys are, aren't in the discussion. So what this looks like to, to me, Rick, as I go through this, I have Marcus Mariota about seven. But we, we can move off of that. Yeah. There's lots of time to discuss him. What's your question? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I have it right here, though. Melvin Gordon remains because he was last year remains a top eight running back or fantasy running back in 2017 all right i'm gonna give it this but here's why i think it's through attrition i i don't honestly think he repeats that performance from last season i truly don't i think that was so touchdown dependent and if you get a keenan allen back if antonio gates and hunter henry are both healthy I just wonder, is Melvin Gordon, who went from never scoring a touchdown to all of a sudden he was a touchdown machine? But he's a top eight because there are no running backs out there, Rig. If you look at it, I've done a couple of these MFL 10s. You look at them, Rig. You get after, you get past him. He seems to be about that line of demarcation wherever you have him, DeMarco Murray, that last group stacks up. I can't think of seven guys better. I, I honestly can't. Does that make him, under our traditional view of a stud number one running back? I think no, but based on the talent out there and the talent available, yeah, I, I think he's right there, seven, eight, nine, somewhere in that. Yeah, I mean that that makes sense. I, I'm, I'm kind of with you, not so much for the same reason. I actually think that his touchdown total is going down, right. but I think his I think his yardage goes up. And it's going to be dependent, I think, a lot on, look, they've got a ton of weapons if they're healthy. We already talked about Keenan Allen, and, of course, Phil Rivers likes to throw to these guys. Travis Benjamin was hurt last year, really didn't get into the I'll be curious to see what he is. There's a guy you can get in about the 15th round who could pay dividends. Ty Williams. Of course, you know we, he emerged last where year. Where do him and Inman got hurt? Where do he and Inman fit in if Allen and Benjamin are healthy? That's what I'm really curious about. I'm not sure he hasn't taken Dontrell Inman's place. All he right. was always kind of an afterthought, but everybody just kept falling off. But still, then he's the third between an Allen, a Benjamin. They like their right. tight ends, and now you got Melvin Gordon right. involved. Now Hunter Henry's come along. Right. Antonio Gates still hanging around, but I, I think. I don't think they're going to have to. This is an approved team. And I'll tell you what, we get to our prediction show, yeah, a little sneak peek. I, I think this division is Oakland's, but I think second place is San Diego. Even with that Denver defense, I think Kansas City, 
quite frankly, was an anomaly last year. I yeah. think they're sort of a mess. I mean, they fired a general manager. For what reason? I have no idea. First time in the playoffs, and God knows when they get rid of him. They can let Jeremy Macklin go. There's really not a true number one on that team. No, I mean, you're looking right now, and on statistically, from a fantasy standpoint, Tyreek Hill's the number one wide right. receiver on that team. Exactly. Obviously, he's not going to be in that position as an outside receiver, I wouldn't think, but you don't know who their outside number one receiver is going to be, so it, it's Tyreek Hill. Kansas City's that case study, and, and here we go off on tangents again, and we'll talk about we this did. a lot more when we get in further in the summer and we start doing our divisional and our playoff predictions and such, I agree with you that Kansas City's taking the dip for every reason that you mentioned and one other one. I always hate when you have the established work-a-day, just-good-enough-to-get-it-done quarterback like Alex yep. Smith and you bring in the cannon-armed, unproven rookie where in terms of – now, every time Alex Smith throws a pick, which is rarely, I grant you, or has one of those 104-yard, no-touchdown type of games, and that drum beat starts coming, and then yep. you've had upheaval in the front office, and you've got money in a number one pick in Mahomes, and you gave away a huge portion of your draft to get him, that drum beat starts, it becomes a distraction. Every time Alex Smith throws a pick, every time Alex Smith has a bad game, the running game, look, I'm not buying Spencer Ware. I'm sorry, maybe I'm supposed to. Not buying it. You got, uh, I assume, Charkandrick West Charkandrick is still West, there. Kareem Hunt. You got yeah. C.J. Spiller still hanging around. You don't have you don't have a solid. You know that team. If you're gonna have Alex Smith starting, you're predicated on the running game. None of those guys on the roster are proven number one running backs. You don't have any talent outside of Tyreek Hill at the receiver position. Obviously, a stud at the tight end position, but that can only take you so far. You know that team, similar to Denver, is really based on defense and efficient offense. If that offense gets less efficient, the defense isn't even as good as Denver, so they slip down with them. And I agree with San Diego could could possibly pop up there if everybody yeah. stays healthy. But I mean, that's been a big issue. We've seen for time and time again quarterbacks making or creating wide receivers emerge. Right. You know, we've seen. But I'll tell you what: Tyreek Hill, Chris Conley, Albert Wilson. They're not going to get made by no, Alex Smith, no. and, they're, and they're not going or to. by Mahomes. Quite frankly, if they go to him at some point in the year, I agree. Maybe someday I mean, he may have that potential. It sure isn't going to be in 2017. But that was a tangent. Thank you, Ooh. ladies and gentlemen, for listening. All right, Rick. Here we go. Fact or fiction? Jordan Howard is worthy of the first round pick where his ADP is falling. I think so, and of course, a lot of it's going to depend on your strategy if you're. You know, if you're one of these no running back guys and you're looking for um, the wide receivers, maybe not. But if you're a guy that likes the running back and you're far down in the draft, 11, 12, something like that, maybe a good way to go. You get a nice, strong uh, running back right off the bat. Look, he's going to be an RB1. Sure, he's not David Johnson, he's not Le'Veon Bell or Zeke, but he's in that next tier right below those guys. And, yeah, I think he's worth it. He's certainly late first round, early second in my book. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you this. If I'm down in that 12 hole, especially, which is where he seems to go, let's see, his ADP overall is down to 14. It, it was running right about 12 as I look at it. The most recent's got him down to 14. If I'm sitting there at 12 and I got that 12-13 pick, I'm going Jordan Howard and I'm going with your boy, Rick, back-to-back. 
That, that's where I'm going. And I got that position done. They're number one running backs on team. That's impossible to find. There's nobody nipping at their heels, and we're not sharing carries with anybody. And Jordan Howard, when you look back at it, I feel like we didn't give this enough run as he was doing. I'm sure we talked plenty about Jordan Howard, but I don't think we gave it near enough run. He had 10 games, 10 games with 100 yards from scrimmage. Yeah. 10 games. He's on a streak of that heading into this season. Averaged almost five and a half yards a carry, Rick. I mean, this is a guy we didn't – and maybe I didn't give it enough love because I believe I declared right about this time last year that I was a Jeremy Langford guy. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But this guy seems to be the real deal. They're going to have to run the ball – Glennon, you know, really I talked about Glennon. I think it is Glennon's job, as we talked about right. with him. Trubisky's still unproven. I don't think you're going to have the whispers in uh, Mike Glennon's ear like you would with an Alex. I think it's a totally different situation yep. with what's going on in Kansas City. And, and you just look at it, they're going to try to run the ball. Not not great at the wide receiver position. you got Cameron Meredith. I mean, for God's sake, they bring in Marcus Wheaton. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, what do we didn't bring in Kendall Wright? So these, but this this team's going to be based upon running the football. Jordan Howard can catch the ball. He runs over five yards of carry. This guy, if you get him in an Ajayi at the bottom of that draft, and then just start plugging in wide receivers as you go along for the well, next four or five rounds, you're in really really good shape. You know, and, and that's one thing you you brought up um, Chicago's depth chart there. You know, it is at the at the minimum, it's unspectacular. But what they have done is they've brought in guys, they're veterans, quote-unquote. They're not superstars, but i tell you what, they give you enough where you still have to pay attention to them. They can't throw eight in a box and try to stop the run all the time. No, no. And, and that's one thing that I do like about that. And getting back to your boy, um, oh, here we go. 3.4 yards a carry last year. Jordan Howard, like five, whatever 5. it was. 5.2, 5.2. So that's one reason why I have him a little bit over IJE. I like IJE because Miami's a lot better team than they were, and they're a lot better team than Chicago. But I think Jordan Howard has already proven himself. IJE still kind of on the fence to me. I mean, he's an RB1, don't yeah. get me wrong, but he just hasn't really broken. Look, 3.4 yards, and they were a playoff team yeah, last and a year. A couple of 200-yard games. That's right. what sticks out to me. If it was one, that's the anomaly. He does it a couple times and almost does it a third time, if I recall correctly. That shows me as he develops. Because if you remember back in week one, they didn't even take him on the road. You remember all of that. And all of a sudden, halfway through the season, he's the cornerstone of their offense. So I think you saw the growth last year. Now, assuming he's on board, we haven't heard anything to the contrary to this point as we were hearing last year. That trajectory keeps going up. He falls into that. His status is in no way in doubt. He comes in as the lockdown number one on another team with really unspectacular on the outside that's going to want to run the ball where they can. I think the sky's the limit. I Actually, I'll tell you this. I think Ajayi has a higher ceiling than Jordan Howard, but as we sit here today, yes, yeah, certainly Jordan Howard. But I'm telling you, if I'm at that 12-13 turn, give me those two, and I'll put my feet up on the desk and just start plugging in wide receivers for the next two and a half hours. Yeah, you're set. There's no question about that. And, um, you know, that was the only thing. You know, he had just two 200-yard games. And and the 
the only thing that I have against him, and I'm looking at something here and I'm trying to pull it up, his long, and that can't all be right, so we're just going to get away from that. But, um, yeah, those 200-yard games, and he still only averaged 3.4 yards a carry. That's troubling to me a little bit. I mean, he's a workhorse. Right. And, you know, but so is Lamar Miller. You know, I'll take him. DeMarco Murray, I'll take him. I mean, a lot of guys are throwing him Murray, up over yes, these guys. Murray, yes. Miller, no for me at this point. Yeah. I mean, I think they're close, though. Yeah, yeah, they're in that. They're on that tier. Okay. All right, Rick. I think Fire away. Okay. Um, okay. Kamar Aiken, moving to Indianapolis, is projected to number three wide receiver in the depth chart. At number three on Indy, is he still more valuable than number two at Baltimore? This is about no love for Kamar Aiken. Right. At number four in Indy, he would be more valuable than number one in Baltimore. Right. All right. This is what I have for if you listen later in the week, you're going to hear this stat again and pick your poison. Spoiler, we'll, we'll skip ahead for you a little bit. Do you know, Rick, 27%, 20% of the targets in Baltimore's offense last year went to the running back position? Is that a lack of talent at the wide receiver position? Part of it. Joe Flacco, part of it. Marty Morningwig, part of it. That just tells me there's not going to be a number one. We saw – Macklin ended up there, right? Yeah, yeah. Macklin's so in Baltimore, exactly. That's why I don't, I don't have my skirt blowing up for Jeremy Macklin going there. Don't talk to me about Brashard Perryman. I'm tired of that one. That, that's going to be the question and pick your poison next episode. But yeah, it, it doesn't matter. Is Aiken going to have much value? I don't know. Is, is he the three? Is he the three in Indy? Truly, when well, you look at he's it, he's projected to be. But when you look at it, I, I got Dorsett above him. I do. Dorsett. Well, there's Moncrief. There's Hilton. Right. You got Hilton. You got Moncrief. Right. And so now you're talking about Philip Dorsett or Kamar Aiken. I still like Philip Dorsett ahead of him there. I, I really do. I think Dorsett showed himself a little bit, proved himself a little bit in spots last year. What, what What's Aiken ever done? What Simple question. What's he ever done? I'm going to have to see it before I believe it. Well, and for somebody that really likes to throw this long ball down the field, everybody is so impressed with Joe Flacco's arm, which, you know, you know yourself, I thumped my chest forever oh. after that one playoff run when they <laughs> won the Super Bowl. I said, this air show is not going to last. Right. He's just not. Let's not forget Dennis Pitt is retired. Mm-hmm. He's a 76-catch guy from last year. They don't have really a great replacement right. that has the trust or the history with a Joe Flacco like Dennis Pitta did right. either. Yeah, I think it's going to be a struggle in Baltimore offensively. It, it truly is. All right, Rick, let's see here. Uh, bu- 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 How much time we have left? You don't want me to do the math. About 10 minutes. Okay. Yeah, we know you can't handle that. <laughs> okay, Rick, let's see. Here we go. Fact or fiction? I like this one. Doug Martin will be a fantasy star upon his return from suspension in week five. Ooh. Oh, the finger just hovering uh, over the buttons. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't think so. Doug Martin is – maybe it's it's just sour grapes from being burned by Doug Martin too many times. Right. He might be. I mean – but to me, he's just a late-round flyer to have on the bench. I, I, I can't 
I am not going to draft planning on, gee, I think Doug Martin's really going to get it going when he hits the road. Right. And I don't want to try to, you know, draft with that in mind. Maybe later on around I can stash him on the bench. He'll merge and help me into the playoffs, something like that. But quite frankly, I don't think so. I don't trust him. Right. And I asked this question, Rick, because all reports coming out of Tampa and probably more out of Doug Martin's camp at this point is how good he looks and how he went through rehab and he's got the, you know, all the spiel they say when somebody comes out of rehab, right? Oh, yeah. I'm sure I'll say it one day when I come out of rehab. But all the, all of this going on and all the talk amongst a lot of the, the national fantasy pundits, this is a guy when he comes back – He's going to look like he did after that rookie year where I believe he won the Asylum Football uh, Fantasy yeah. Football Tournament Championship in that first year. I'm not buying it for a couple reasons. Number one, I never like a guy coming back after missing that amount of time. He's not in game shape. He's going to have hamstring or groin issues at some point very early in that comeback. The other thing for me is, I don't know if you recall, Rick, before he eventually got hurt at the end of the year, just how good Jaquiz Rogers was exactly. in that role as the number one. If he gets in a role like that it, through the first four weeks of the season, which I think he can, I'm, I'm really high on this Tampa Bay offense. And I think the way they're going to play with what Mike Evans can do with Deshaun Jackson getting down the field with the way Jameis Winston's playing the position, I think – Jaquiz Rogers is a better fit for what they want to do, and Doug Rogers maybe become Doug, Doug Martin, Rogers yeah. or Doug Martin is Buck his cousin, Rogers, his Roy cousin Rogers, whoever his, his cousin uh, Doug Doug Martin. <laughs> you know, he comes in. He almost maybe becomes a goal line short yardage type of specialist, you know, the little guy, but you know, he can move the pile a little bit. Yeah. I just wonder. Very well possible they come in, they give him the keys. If Jaquiz Rogers gets banged up, he's a slight guy. I think there's going to be injury problems with him which is why he hasn't really established himself yet at this point of his career but I have no faith that he's going to come in and do what everybody out there right now is telling me he's going to do. And right now nobody does Rick and to your point looking at the ADPs his best draft or his best position is 12 his worst is 59 currently he's 32nd running back so I mean nobody really knows what to do with him and I'm you know me. I'm on. I'm on this side of caution when it comes to a guy like Doug Martin. Is there weird music coming through? Are you hearing that? Well, yeah. I thought you went over and turned it on. I no. thought the show was over or no. something. I didn't know what was going on. Oh, this show is a disaster. Now, if it was our boy uh, Johnny Reed Foley, had been all right. Who you're harassing on Twitter? No. No, you know, I'm just kind of helping him along to. Start following the proper hockey team. See the That's right all. way. Yeah, see the light. <laughs> I have seen the light. All right, Rick, we got time for one more. Fire away. All right, and uh, fact or fiction? Which one do I want? Okay, this is a pretty good one here. You know, out of the truly elite quarterbacks, okay, you know, Peyton Manning's gone now. But you know, right now you've got Brady, Breeze, Rogers. You could throw in like Ryan and Luck. Fact or fiction? Derek Carr is the next one up. I just don't think there's any question whatsoever about that. He's the guy. He's going to be, as you look at, well, I, we talked about this on maybe the last episode or, or a recent episode. They, they all run together since we do them about six weeks apart. 
<laughs> I have trouble keeping up. Well, if you would stay home once well, in a while. Hey, I'm a world traveler, pal. What <laughs> yeah. can I tell you? But I got a story next episode about what happened on this recent vacation. Oh, but, good. Somebody being rude to him, probably. But Aaron Rodgers, he's got a lot of years left in this league. Tom Brady, I don't care what he says, he's got two, maybe three years left. Even if he's still healthy, Giselle's going to run him but out. But he's she's, still there She's today. already starting to flap her gums. Eventually, he's going to be out. Drew Brees is at the end. Andrew Luck might be dead by, the, by week three, unfortunately. He's still a young guy. But he just gets banged up. You know, Matt Ryan's got a little bit left. But you look at your Roethlisberger, your Eli, your Phil. These guys are gone. In the next three years, these guys are all going to be gone. I think Derek Carr may be the leader of that next group. I, I really oh, yeah. do. yeah, I mean, your next generation is certainly going to be Carr, Mariota, Winston. I think that's I'm your gonna three. I'm going to throw in Kirk Cousins. I really like Kirk Cousins. And I'll tell you what, I like that order you have them in. I honestly think when these guys go, maybe behind Aaron Rodgers, because Aaron Rodgers probably has six or seven right. years left, it goes Rodgers. Derek Carr, we may be talking about as the number two guy. We may be talking about him as the Drew Brees to Peyton Manning we had for so many years. I think Derek Carr, with those weapons, with Cooper, Crabtree, he's got a few years left in him. You oh, keep yeah. recycling the weapons through there, giving him those weapons. The sky is the absolute limit for this kid, and I think the Raiders showed that by making him the highest-paid quarterback in the history of this league. I agree, 100%. Well, I'll tell you what, I think that one went quick. We can squeeze one more in. I'll try to make it a quick one. Here we go, Rick. Fact or fiction, Jeremy, Jeremy Hill still has some fantasy value left. Yeah, he has some fantasy value. Is it a whole lot? I don't think so. Um, it's way down. I mean, you know, it's kind of an open-ended question. Does he have any value? Yeah, yeah I think he What's has What's fantasy some. value, I guess. Exactly. Um, how much is it? Is it a, you know, if he was a $20 bill last year, I'm going to give him a $2 bill this year maybe. <laughs> I, they still make those? think so you ever used a two dollar bill i always stuffed them away like my I've granddad would I, give i've it. saved i have a few that say i actually have one that's a a silver certificate you know where they were, mm. used to base them mm -hmm. on gold and silver and, and they used to put silver certificate on the ones that were backed by silver i have a couple of those but and and that's probably what um jeremy hill is going to end up being probably a, a two dollar bill yeah. silver certificate I mean, he'll have some touchdowns i guess if you're in a real day i think he's i do think he's going to be waiver wire fodder this year though right your guy goes down he's the best most recognizable name out there on the wire right. i think that's where he is i think mixon's going to be that good you know, worry well, I think about Mixon's a going to be the guy and i think bernard is still the supplement yeah i, I mean, mean he's still young yeah, and, and so I mean that kind of makes Hill the odd man out yeah. right now. Yeah, so I mean, assume Mixon maybe misses some time. You you allow for for rookie struggles. What I don't like is going into last year when Jeremy Hill was supposed to be the guy, and, and he was so bad. <laughs> that makes you wonder. Doesn't yeah. matter who else they bring in there if they bring you in and there I, to run I the ball. I think it was you. I and I don't know if it was Rilio or, or or another guest we were arguing about. I said that Bernard was actually still going to be more involved. Either, right. Neither one of them were very good. No, no they Cincinnati was horrible. Yeah, that team was just bad to begin with. All right, well, it started out good. It ended kind of with a whimper, but that is it for this for today's Asylum Fantasy Sports Show. Thanks so much for joining us. We've spent a great time. Well, 
a good time. I don't know if it was it great. It was great when really it was here. Yeah. It was just that you. One. It just kind of went Hey, down we'll hill. be back later in the week. Two episodes this week yes, here indeed. on the Arena Sports Network, arenasportsnet.com. At Asylum Football on Twitter, AsylumFantasySports.com. If you want to hear it, uh, hear it a little bit ahead of time. That's it until uh, just a few days from now. We'll see you. Take care. You can't expect me to keep my head.